Welcome to Life Happens, where Texans come to protect their legacy and prepare for the second half of life. Join your host, Attorney Kim Hegwood, with Hegwood Law Group and our weekly guest as we navigate the challenges that emerge as life happens. Now here's your host, Kim Hegwood. Good morning and welcome to Life Happens with me, Kim Hegwood, and our very special guest today is Susan Manello. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Kim. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I, I really am so thankful that um, that you know that y'all you know take turns and y'all come on and, and really help because I think UTMB's you know the Sealy Center on Aging is really doing some good stuff you know as far as you know helping you know the community and things like that. So when you know getting information out about what you do and things like that is so important. So I really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you. And so today we're going to talk about diabetes and dementia. And so um, I always think it seems like just two separate things. And um, so I'm thinking that if we're talking about those two things, there must be some kind of connection. Are you, what are y'all finding in your study? There definitely is a connection. Um, one does not cause the other. Um, That's good. <laughs> but if you are given a, a diagnosis of diabetes, and you're managing your blood sugars and all the things that go along with that, you are more likely to develop dementia later on in your life. And um, if you have dementia, there sometimes is a likelihood that diabetes may be overlooked because sometimes the symptoms are very similar. For a low blood sugar hypoglycemia or for a high blood sugar, there can be symptoms of confusion and, and um, disorientation. And sometimes that looks like somebody that has dementia, their regular symptoms, and it could be overlooking uh, diabetes or a symptom of treatment of diabetes. So there is a definite connection. Frequently, the symptoms are the same. They might be very mild and progress slowly where you barely recognize it. Um, But there is a definite connection. And part of that also we're learning, diabetes is an inflammatory disease. It's chronic, just like dementia, and it's inflammatory. So um, inflammation in the body that stresses the body raises the blood sugar Um, Our organs don't work as well, like our liver and our kidneys, they're stressed. Our heart, um, inflammation in our circulatory system and a vascular system can cause plaques and and, uh, blood clots and that sort of thing. So there's a whole variety of symptoms that also affect the brain. If you're not getting good blood flow to the brain, they're all interconnected. I don't know if that makes sense, but we're learning this inflammatory process with both diseases can affect one another. So we tell clients all the time, you know, when someone automatic, you know, it's just all of a sudden has dementia type symptoms, you know, to check for dehydration, check for UTIs, because those are, you know, we know that those are predominantly will give, you know, um, uh, seniors or elderly people some dementia type um, symptoms. So if I understand you correctly, if, if you have diabetes or if you have dementia, 
should they, let's start with, if they have dementia, they should be looking to make sure that you also don't have diabetes? Yes, that should be part of your screening, uh, regular checkups. Um, as you're followed, you know, dementia is a chronic progressive disease. So we may follow people in our clinics for five, 10 plus years. But while you're focusing on the dementia problems and all the behaviors and all the caregiving that goes into that, you need to be thinking about other things as well. So um, it's pretty common people with dementia have a sweet tooth. They do crave <laughs> sweets and they, you know, you put down a, a salad in front of them. They might not want to eat their lunch, but you put down a piece of cake or some cookies and coffee, they'll, they'll go for it. So while... Uh, you want them eating and drinking fluids. You may have to cut back on the, the high carbohydrate fruit drinks, things like that, that you wouldn't have thought of if you didn't keep diabetes in mind. Um, there's more of a correlation, I would say, that the person with diabetes may go on to develop dementia. But if you're dealing with someone that already has dementia, and you're dealing with all the caregiving that goes into that, just in the back of your mind, think, you know, diabetes could occur, and I need to be ready to um, handle that or manage that also. Um, a lot of people with dementia have been followed in the clinics for um, high blood sugars as well, because it is that inflammatory process that we, we see the connection. That's how they're connected. So if you have diabetes, what's the best way to get it under control? What kind of treatments are available? Um, there are many pills now out on the market that work in different ways to lower blood sugar. Um, the, some are better than others. And especially with our elderly and with our patients that have dementia, there are some to avoid if possible. Um, taking a pill isn't the best answer. The best way to treat diabetes and dementia as well is exercise. It is still our best medicine. And one of the ways to, um, uh, to make healthy lifestyle changes is to incorporate more activity in your life. So exercising, especially after eating a meal is the best way to keep your blood sugars down. We can all do that. Uh, but especially if you have diabetes, um, or you have dementia, if you have a big meal, go for a walk afterwards. Um, and, you know, experts are saying it should be 150 minutes of activity a week. You can break that up. You can do 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the afternoon, 10 minutes in the evening. And those little short bursts add up quickly. And before you know it, you have your 150 minutes of activity. It can be as simple as going for a walk. That's really the best medicine to, to control diabetes. Um, if, if you are taking pills, you want to understand how they work. Uh, a real common one is metformin. And that one works. They, it's been on the market for about 20 years. They still don't know exactly how it works. But it does um, limit the amount of blood sugar that comes out of our liver while we're sleeping. It does help our pancreas to squeeze out a little more insulin that we need at mealtimes. And um, it works by getting the blood sugar into our muscle cells where 
our body needs that uh, sugar for energy. So metformin is a very good medicine. It's a pill that um, people start out on a low dose and increase it as they tolerate it. The side effects can be uh, severe for some people. It can cause diarrhea. And so if you're if you've already got digestive problems, <laughs> that might not be a good pill for you to take. Um, if you become dehydrated, it can be very serious. So always with our elderly or with our um, dementia patients, we want to make sure they're not getting dehydrated. Kim, you mentioned that early on um, when we were talking about keeping people well hydrated, not getting infections. It's really important that, you know, we remind our, our patients or our loved ones to, you know, have a glass of water, have a little small sips. Um, the other um, pills for diabetes are, are also very helpful. Uh, they work in different ways with our hormone system or with our kidneys to keep the blood sugar lower. Some of them are very expensive. So if you can walk more, exercise more, uh, you may be able to eliminate some of those pills or um, reduce the amount that you take. And um, insulin is also um, problematic. So there, there are some good insulins that I can talk about, but in, for the most part, um, you would be following the instructions of your, your diabetes team or your doctor's clinic to understand the insulin that they regimen that they have you on. But as someone um, advances with dementia, we, we make that regimen more lax. We don't want to have tight control like we did when they were younger. We want to avoid hypoglycemia, which is what insulin's biggest danger is, causing the blood sugar to get too low. So insulins, um, you might be given a shot in the evening before you go to bed, and that is to keep your blood sugar low during the night so that you don't wake up with an already super high blood sugar, which is abnormal, but that happens in diabetes. So if you're given an insulin regimen that is take this shot of 10 units before you go to bed, that's a safe, safe way to um, manage diabetes, uh, type 2 diabetes. And um, pe people worry about that, though, because they've been on pills and now the doctor says we need to start insulin. It's very scary. But if you understand how that insulin works in the body and um, you're still eating well and you're able to hydrate, you know, drink liquids throughout the day, it's not going to be a problem for you. But when we have someone with dementia, you can run into um, problems and mostly we're worried about hypoglycemia occurring in our elderly person. So one of the things I found, we found uh, when my mom was working, her prescriptions, pain for her prescriptions wasn't a big deal. Mm. When she retired and Medicare was her only insurance, pain for prescriptions became very important. Yes. And so I had to go back to the doctor and say, you need to change her meds. These are the ones she's been taking now for Medicare is outrageous. And so 
um, you know, so we we had to go back with her and um, and have her go back to the doctor and having change her medication, um, you know, so that, you know, A, you can afford it when you retire because, you know, what she'd taken before was the, the cost was unbelievable of what she was paying for it with insurance and what she was paying for it with Medicare, you know, so, huh. you know, so, so lifestyle has a whole lot of, you know, how you live, how you do things has a whole lot to do with, you know, with how you take care of yourself. Right. You mentioned earlier about, you know, hypoglycemia. And can you tell the listeners really quick, what's hyperglycemia? Sure. Hyperglycemia is diabetes or high blood sugars, maybe from an infection or other stress to the body. Um, hyperglycemia is why diabetics take medicine to lower their blood sugar. If it's too high, the symptoms can be very mild and not even noticeable. They come on gradually, might be thirst, might be peeing a lot because um, your kidneys aren't able to get rid of the blood sugar like they normally would. So you develop thirst and you pee a lot. So that's a very mild symptom that, you know, well, I did a lot of gardening today, but you came in and you drank a lot of fruit juice, you know, uh, orange juice, apple juice, something like that. So a lot of the high blood sugar symptoms we explain away with our, just our day-to-day -day activities. But hypoglycemia comes on very quickly and it's, uh, symptoms are much more serious because the brain isn't getting enough blood sugar. And if it's severe, it can lead to um, uh, passing out or seizures, um, maybe needing treatment. Um, but the symptoms would be dizziness, um, a general feeling of, I don't feel well, anxiousness. Uh, you might notice your loved one, like your mother getting really nervous and a not pe appearing, you know, she doesn't look good. She's getting pale, even sweating. Um, but it comes on quickly, and it's because there's too much insulin working in the body. And so you want to treat that hypoglycemia with some sugar quickly to get the blood sugar level back up. And that relieves the symptoms of um, anxiety. Um, the other one I notice uh, it, they make it really hungry. Like, you know, you're waiting for lunch or there's some delay and that's when the blood sugar drops. Well, they might get irritable, very, um, their moods may change, lay bile. And uh, that hungriness or anger that accompanies it and aggression is because their blood sugar has dropped too low. So it's more of a survival. I, I also call it the B word. They might get you know, hurry up, Kim, I'm ready for my lunch. <laughs> yeah. um, so you want to treat that with food or with sugar to, to relieve the hypoglycemia because it is a, a severe symptom, but it comes on fast. And in our dementia patients, you don't always, they don't recognize it because the neurotransmitters to the brain aren't functioning like when we were younger. So they may just appear very quiet or get very weak um, um, and, and if you know that they're prone to hypoglycemia or having that, you want to change their medicines if possible and get them off that medicine. Cause it's usually medicine related. That's causing them to drop too low. 
So what about real quick in our last few minutes that we have today, what about managing stress? How does stress affect people with diabetes and dementia? It will raise the blood sugar. So if um, the patient is stressed and there's physical stress, like an infection or a wound, if you have a, a cut or sore that isn't healing, that's a stress to the body and that will raise the blood sugar. Um, the mental emotional stress also can elevate your blood sugar because it triggers these hormones in our body that deal with stress. So you wanna lower your stress levels um, in the patient and you can do that by going for a walk, uh, by singing a song, by laughter, all these different things to manage stress. They really do work. Some people think they have to go meditate <laughs> to relieve their stress. You don't. Um, calling a friend or having, you know, watching a show that gives you enjoyment um, to take you out of that, distract you from whatever is stressing you is really helpful. But one of the best ways to manage stress is some physical activity also. So calling a friend and going for a walk is probably the best thing you can do. If it's the patient with um, dementia, you want to, again, engage them in an activity. If you, if you can walk with them, do that. Um, maybe go for a drive, take them out of the environment that's stressful to them or manage that somehow to reduce their stress, their anxiety, their worries or, or fears. Um, it's important that you try to reduce that stress in the person with dementia. And so, so do me a favor really quick. And um, so and tell people if they wanna get some more information about what you're doing, um, then to um, how do they get a hold of you? Yes, they can call me directly. I always answer my cell phone. Um, if I'm on the phone, please leave a message and I'll try to call you back. And then my email is um, at UTMB. I work there part time, uh, but I check my email regularly and I'm working from home now. So um, give me a call or a text and I'll probably get back to you as quick as I can. Um, I'm in the Sealy Center on Aging and I'm currently working with a, a D-Care study. So um, as that changes, I may go into another area in the Sealy Center on Aging, but I, I really, uh, my passion is dementia and um, I used to be a diabetes educator. So putting the two together, I, I, you know, both are manageable, but both are chronic. So you do need a lot of support. You need a diabetes team if you can find one, someone to help you. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Sure. And uh, it's been a pleasure. We'll see you oh. again soon. Okay. Thank you, Kim. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Life Happens with Kim Hegwood. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. wherever you listen to your podcast as we navigate through the challenges that emerge as life happens. The content of this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship or constitute attorney-client privilege, legal, medical, financial, or any other professional advice. 